Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby. Hi listeners, Stuart here from Thrive Today. You know, many people tune in to a Thrive podcast every week. We're really encouraged by the feedback we receive on how these podcasts are impacting people's lives in very real ways and equipping them as they grow in their faith. Now, our hope and desire is to continue to make these podcasts available for free. However, there is a very real cost to make this happen. This is where you can help us. If you'd like to contribute to assist us in meeting these ongoing production and distribution costs, then please join our listener support program with a monthly subscription. Now, you can do this very quickly and simply. Just go to thrivetoday.tv. That's our website, thrivetoday, one word, .tv. At the top of the homepage, you'll see a button that says Donate. This will give you the option to support the Thrive Podcast with a donation of $5 or $10 or $50 per month. You can set your own support level. So we hope you'll consider supporting this ministry in this way. Again, to those who are monthly supporters, a huge thank you to you. Your contribution is helping us continue to provide these Thrive podcasts for free. So it's easy. Visit thrivetoday.tv, click on the donate button. We thank you for your support by tuning in, but also by contributing financially in this way. Now let's jump into this episode of Thrive Deeper with Matt. Good morning, Matt. Morning, Stu. Good to be sitting in the studio again. As happy we, New Year. Yeah, well, Happy New Year, exactly. Well, actually, yeah, Happy New Year. It's, it's it is. a few days, well, but it is yeah, a New yeah, Year. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It is a New Year. year is this the first? Is this the first? This will be the first deeper uh, in uh, the for twenty twenty four. Yeah, that's right. Goodness, Stu. It's I can officially say it's the future. Well, it is the future. We are. We are in the future right now. If you think about all the 2024, movies. 2024, that's ridiculous. I know. If you think about all the movies that were made about, you know, that seem so far in the future, even Back to the Future, for mm. instance, uh, we're now past any of the dates they mentioned in that movie. But I remember as a kid going to a movie with my dad called 2001 A Space Odyssey. I must have been yeah. about nine or 10. Yeah, classic. Thinking, we'll never get to 2001. No, no, that's right. And yeah. here we are. 2024. Yeah. You know, Do you remember that that TV show towards 2000? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then it and then it changed to beyond 2000 when it got into the 90s. And yeah, that's it. It was like 2000. Yeah. Like that's it just that's seemed just the future. Crazy, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And 20th Century Fox, of course, had to change their name because we're way past that now. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, we're not here to talk about entertainment so much today, <laughs> Matt, as we are to uh, continue our journey yeah. and thrive deeper. Your fortnightly Bible study, That's in-depth it. Bible study That's right it. now. Yeah. yeah. And we're uh, we're jumping into a new book as we continue uh, through Thrive and looking today just at First Book of Timothy, yep. First Letter to Timothy from uh, the Apostle Paul. And Timothy had been appointed one of the key leaders of the church at Ephesus mm. by Paul. Just some interesting facts about Timothy. He was a third-generation Christian. Mm. Uh, his mother was Lois and his grandmother Eunice. Mm. So third-generation Christian. Father was a Greek, mother was a Jew, and Paul had really connected strongly with, with Timothy and appointed him in a leadership position. There so when you say a third-generation Christian, because so obviously we're in the first generation of the church, well, but they'd all all those generations had come to faith correct. around the same yes, time. Yes, yep, I'm yep. talking about in his family, yeah, the third right. one yeah. in his family yeah. generationally yeah. That, was, yeah. that was a Christian, correct. 
Uh, so, and, and the difference here with these letters from Paul, Matt, and I'm sure you'll talk a bit more about this, is Paul's now not addressing like the church at Colossae mm. or the church at Ephesus and the letters to Ephesians and Colossians and Thessalonians, etc. This is now a pastoral letter, mm. as it's called, written to a leader. And so yeah. it's essentially addressing things to a leader of the church yeah. as opposed to the broader church. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, the, the approach that Paul takes in these letters, um, mm. perhaps the the benchmarks that he sits sets yeah. for leaders yeah. are a little higher than he might yeah. expect from from the church because they are setting mm. the example yeah. and and needing to be above reproach. So, let's launch into one yeah. Timothy. This, and- this I I mean I found this great to read again, and the fact that it is aimed at leaders, you know, as a church leader myself. I, you know, I found this so valuable mm. again to go through mm. this letter and to reflect on these uh, on these things, and so uh, Timothy is in Ephesus. So, yes. th- you know, we, we have the letter to the Ephesians, that is, you know, as we said a few episodes ago, is a sort of more of a circular letter. This does deal more particularly with issues in that. Church. Ephesian church, in some ways, even more than the letter that, to the Ephesians. Yes. So the letter to the Ephesians is quite a general epistle for churches in that, mm-hmm. you know, in that region. Uh, this is very specific because, as you say, it's specifically to Timothy, and it's to deal with specific issues uh, in that church. But it, but it gives us a paradigm of how to deal with with these kinds of things, and this is important to you because, and this is often something that can be misunderstood, even about law throughout the Bible as such, like even the Mosaic law, it doesn't cover every single situation. And this is important background yeah, for no, how absolutely. we interpret the New Testament, because it's Paul's, the background to his kind of thinking. In fact, Paul uses paradigms from Old Testament law and applies it to situations uh, in, in his own day, in his letters mm. generally. We've got to be careful that we don't just extract rules out, like yeah. as they stand. Oh, here's a rule, bang! We we you know this is an absolute rule yeah. because uh, Paul says this here. Now this has authority, but we need to understand the nature of these letters that these these are applied to a particular situation. So what we have here is paradigms for how to deal with these certain things, right? Yeah. That are based yeah. on biblical principles. So even with the Mosaic law, you know they have paradigm you know, like paradigmatic laws on how you know dealing with various cultural mm. things and. Day and yeah. that sort of stem from the the more yeah. those sovereign principles like the Ten Commandments and so forth. Yeah, totally. So you know you got similar thing here. This, that there are strong biblical principles here. There's nothing new really. Uh, these are all strong biblical principles that Paul is applying, as well as just practical wisdom uh, yeah. being applied because it's not just a static situation. This is a church on mission, right? Yeah. yeah. So what's going to work for the mission here mm. uh, as, as well? Yeah. I think that's a really good point, and I think it's good to remember that when you, when you are writing a letter to deal with specific. Situations, situations, depending on what's happening, you know, if, if something that would in me- certain measure be okay, but in a greater measure is not okay, yeah. you've got to address that specifically. And that doesn't mean that everything's out. It just means yeah. that taking it to this extreme is out. Yeah. And I think some of that's perhaps yeah. what we read here. Yeah, that's right. Letter. So the, one of the, the big issues uh, at the time, just to paint a bit of a picture yeah, of this overall for this letter, and, and you can kind of... 
you kind of get this through the letter. And this is one of the other things about interpreting letters as we read them. We need to remember they are really written into specific circumstances. Now, that's already that's true of an of a letter like Ephesians, which is going to do a circuit. You know, so that's a little bit more general. But this is even more specific yeah. in the sense that yes, it's written to a specific circumstance, and so there are things going on behind this that that are the key to actually some of the curious things that are said. Like there's some really weird things that are said. And that probably is because he's responding to specific things or conversations or false teachings going on in the background. Now, he doesn't, we don't have that, but we can reconstruct because we know the sorts of teachings that we're getting around in the first century. And so we can make pretty good educated guesses as to what yeah. is going on. And, and, and this. furthermore, he's speaking to Timothy, knowing Timothy's personality and Timothy's leadership style and Timothy's background. So it's not only dealing with the issues, but it's also dealing with them in a way that he understands that he knows Timothy will interpret. And yeah, that's right. As well. Yeah, that's right. So Timothy, so he's writing to Timothy, and Timothy's having to deal with you know a situation in a church, which has experienced a lot of untoward influence from false teachers getting in uh, amongst it. This is a culture where, you know, the the, the sort of traveling teachers, yep. you know, were, were a big thing. And um, But you've also got this double influence on, a, on an infant church. Think about the I- influence. Like you think about, you know, a, a young Christian in today's day totally. and age and all the influences that, that yep. they've got to try and sort through, right? Yeah. And on top of that, Matt, this is new anyway. This yeah. whole gospel message is new, yeah. and it's counter everything they've ever thought before. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So everyone's having is wanting to have a go at putting their interpretation yeah, on. That's and Paul's right. having to go. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So they don't have the two thousand years of that of, we have of, of theology. You know, and, exactly. and, and good Christian reflection behind that we do. So you know, Paul is you know having to address this this situation you know very very carefully, and and but he's he's instructing Timothy. You know, so Timothy's got to deal with this. Now, what one of the just one of the let me just paint a picture of of what these early churches were like because it'll help to con- reconstruct this situation. So the early churches grew initially out of sin- so they were a mixture of Jew and Gentile, particularly in the early stages. They were a mixture of Jew and Gentile. You know, Ephesus had a that there was there was there were Jews in Ephesus, and so you've got a mixture of. Uh, of Jews and Gentiles, somewhat it goes on to become mainly mainly, mainly Gentiles, Gentiles yeah. but you've all, you've got a strong Jewish influence as well. So because the Jews are trying to, in some ways, rein this in, and you've even got actually Jewish Christians that are like, no, this is our thing, mm. which in a way it was initially. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? This yeah. is our thing. You know, so so there are ways of thinking there that they're wanting to bring that in. And we're talking about generations and generations and generations yeah. of tradition and understanding who God is yeah. and it's all changed for them. Yeah, that's right. It's massive. Yeah. And and so you seem to there, there's evidence here too that there's a there's a mixture, there's a pagan influence and a Jewish influence and some kind of asceticism. I'm going to use that word. Yeah. Asceticism is aesthetics. Not, yeah, not no. aesthetics. Asceticism, which is the denial of bodily pleasures, which yep. actually was a thing in Greek uh mm-hmm. in Greek philosophy. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a post Platonic kind of movement where you, you, you the emphasis off the pleasures of the body and, and all about the mind and living the life of the soul, you know. And so asceticism was very strongly influenced by that anti body or anti physical yeah. 
uh, anti-Platonic philosophy. Much, you know, that's yeah. right. And and I mean, there were people at like the cynics, for example, following that philosopher called Diogenes, who denied all physical pleasures and just mm. lived half naked in mm. you know. And so you've got quite extreme forms of asceticism. You know, they're giving up marriage and they're you know saying, you know, giving up even having families and all of that sort of stuff. And that's been spiritualized. And there's a there's a kind of a a bit of a kind of Christianized version of that that's you know it's happening. So so this is and and there's you know evidence here that that this is going on behind this. So some of the things Paul's having to correct that you know, yeah, and he's having yeah. to bring that the Jewish affirmation of the physical life and marriage and family and children and so forth. Mm. And uh, and then the other the other dynamic is that these early churches they were they were often patronized by wealthy women uh in in the first stage like we we saw you know in you know philippi yes. you know lydia yep. the cloth the merchant cloth that's very quite quite typical okay. uh, situation where you have you know these these wealthy women that that um host the churches you know in their homes now typically in those cultures that becomes an inroad for false teachers if they can get these women on side because right. yep. they're generally and particularly if they're Jewish women, but this is also true of pagan women. They're they're not going to be educated. So a lot of education was in just the pagan the side yeah. was really just for the men. Mm. Uh, in fact, uh, a lot of rabbis at this time were saying women shouldn't even be taught Torah. They just got to do what their what their husbands said. And, you know, they're not to learn yeah. anything. Yeah. The TV show The Chosen it actually picks up on on Jesus being countercultural and that you know where you have the women in his company sort of yes. learning. Yes, and and it's good background kind yeah. of work that they've done there because that obviously is something new. Like oh wow, we can study the Torah now. Yeah, you know which because that wasn't no. you know so you're going to get. Uh, you're going to get Paul saying at one point, you know, like women should learn quietly and da da da, and and it sounds to us like, oh, that's really Harsh. mean and patronising. <laughs> but he's saying no, he's actually, yeah, he's actually giving them permission, saying no, no, you can learn. Yeah, you need to learn and get up to. You that's know, already a big step. In yeah, a that's sense. already a big step yeah. forward. So, and also just on that, while you're talking about the women, you know, there's new freedom now in the way they dress and they look. You know, they're yeah, not having yeah. to be fully covered. So there's a whole lot of change coming to this yeah. culture that's yeah. completely counter what they've known for. You know, in that's reality, right. Thousands of years, and incredibly countercultural to uh, equality, society. too, like yeah. a sense of equality, um, yeah. which is massive in the early church. So yeah. you've got this elevation of both in terms of class and gender, and, yeah. and there's there's allusion here to the fact that that slaves, some of the slaves or bond servants, you might call them, even in Christian households, were taking advantage of the fact that the masters had become Christians. Yeah. Oh, we're all equal now. Yeah. And Paul says, no, no, hang on a minute, you, you still have to obey. Your masters, you know what I mean? Because yeah. we we still need to, and and he says that for the sake of witness, you know, because yeah. he ad addresses the same thing for women in in uh, actually Peter does the, in his letters, you know, saying to to in the context where women are experience experiencing this kind of liberation from this very repressive uh, situation Society, in yeah. terms of gender, mm. he's just saying just be careful for the sake of witness here. We need to, yeah. Yeah. you know, we we need to not flaunt this. Yeah, and let's not in a sense, disenfranchise people before we've even had a chance to have a conversation with them about the gospel. Yeah, you that's know? right. Like, and and also we can't, let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater. There's still, yeah. there's still biblical principles around marriage and family yeah. and, and, and so forth. That's uh, great. In the family. Great so, so that's, that's all of that background is going on, you know, so think house churches, we've got generally like under the oversight of sort of patrons, but uh, elders, uh, these are these are churches led by elders, and so there's a lot of 
a lot of instructions here about the character of elders, and this appears to have been a bit of a problem, actually. Um, At Ephesus, yeah. So, first of all, he addresses false teachers. This is a persistent problem in throughout the letters, is mm. false teaching. Mm. And so, I'm always reminded, Stu, like it feels a bit like focusing on false teaching. It, sometimes it can feel pedantic and mean, and are we being really ex, you know, exclusivistic and, and saying this is correct and this is not correct? I mean, look, yes, it can be overly pedantic and get ridiculous. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like, if you don't agree with me on these fine points of my interpretation of Revelation chapter 20 or something, then you're a false teacher. No, no, this is, this is getting to the core uh, stuff, but it is it is something that is a persistent issue even in our day that you know we're to guard against false teaching. And one of the things that's happening here, so there's there's a note from a commentator actually in the Word Biblical Commentary uh, says not only were these false teachers in error theologically, but their lifestyle was also wrong. Yeah. Rather than exercising their responsibilities in the church as good stewards of God through faith, they were producing nothing except mere speculation. Mm. So what was happening here is that they're getting caught up in all speculation against about all sorts of. Theological matters again and whatever, whatever, yeah, Yeah. all sorts of speculative things, and so they're sitting around arguing about that, and they're not actually growing. (laughs) Isn't that isn't that so persistent? You know, exactly all of this speculation, like, and then people are arguing, and it's like, hang on, are you actually growing? I mean, is this is this line of conversation and speculation is it actually beneficial? Yeah, and even more than that, what about all the people looking on from the outside who are, in a sense going to hell because we aren't out there talking yeah, about that's that's right. Right. That's the right. good news of Jesus. Yeah. You know, we're arguing about pre-millennial, post-millennial, whatever it might that's be. That's right. You know? Yeah. So he says, you know, they devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, yeah. which promote yeah. speculations rather than stewardship. I love mm. that. Mm. It's specul- You're just speculating about theology rather than being a steward of a message that's got to go out, for goodness yeah. sake. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, stop sitting around arguing about these relatively pointless matters. Yes. Uh, and, and, you know, go out with what's clear. There's enough mm. clear there that to, mm. to, you know, to work with and live by. You know, and he says in verse five, you know, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, a sincere faith. And he said, certain persons by swerving from these have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what mm. they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions, mm. right? And and don't we know that too? Make this is the way to, you know, mm. because again, it's this desire to be well regarded and I know what's going on and I've got the higher knowledge and mm. it's all become a bit of an ego fest uh, yeah. for these false teachers. My translation uses the term turned aside to fruitless discussion. Yeah, yeah, you know? that, yeah it, that's it, good. Yeah. It brings no, no fruit. Yeah, yeah, know, that, so. yeah no, that, that's, that's great. Mm. So, so he, then, he then goes on uh, in verse 8 to address, and, and this is, you know, the segue here perhaps uh, is strange to us because he goes on to say, now we know that the law is good if one lose, uses it lawfully. So he's obviously referring, this is a, an example where we're thinking, hang on, what's the segue here? What, um, yeah, yeah. It's a- uh, well, there's obviously a situation that he's referring to in, mm. in that, but but the point he makes is really valuable. Mm. And basically he's he's says some really makes some valuable comments about the purpose of the law. Mm. And he says, you know, the law is is not for the righteous but for the lawless. And it's like, hang on, what 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 does he mean by that? You know? Well yeah. And basically what he's saying is and, and the illustration that I've used is that the law is like the boundaries. It's to alarm us to when we're going outside the boundaries. Yeah. Right. We don't live by the law. And and the the illustration that I use, like those rumble strips along yes. a road, you That's know, great. the side of the road. So when you when you veer off the road, you get that grrr, you know, yep. and your car vibrates uh a lot. And 
and and that's the law is like that. It's the rumble strips. Now you don't drive on the rumble strips, no. right? And and people who are obsessed with law mm. are, are about as pleasant as driving on rumble strips. Like really, <laughs> you know what I mean? The rumble strips are there to point to where the road is. You yes. drive freely on the road, right? And the rumble strips are there to to show us when we're going off, you know, off yeah. the road. No, that's so that's great. that's basically what he's saying. The, and I think also perhaps that there was a lot of my reading anyway. There was a lot of people that were just coming back to the law and the and the the good news of Jesus isn't actually enough. You also need yeah, to yeah, da, da, yeah, da, that's da, right. Da. Yeah, so yeah. you know, just trying to again come back to this whole thing that yeah. there aren't all these rules and regulations and rituals and as you see asceticism where people were going without because somehow that was going to make them righteous. Yeah, that's like, right. No, 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 no. This is the good news. Of Jesus. That's right. So he goes back to that point, and yeah. isn't isn't Paul? He's always coming back to that point because mm. our. Well, you know, we have this tendency to to move towards a works yep. oriented. It's me that achieves things, yep. and uh, and so Paul makes this, you know, this point in from verse twelve onwards. You know, that salvation isn't achieved by any individual through works of righteousness, but by God's mercy and grace alone. Mm. And he uses his own example. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and I love the way that Paul keeps pointing back to his own testimony. Yeah. You know, because of course he was, I was the, the most obsessed. Worst, yeah, he, he was. Well, he was the most obsessed. <laughs> yeah. You know, by the law, but so very wrong as yeah. well. You know, yeah. like completely off the road. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, like in terms of his heart. Yes. You know, so thinking, okay, I'm within the law, and yet completely de- deluded in another sense. So, uh, so it's not enough. You know, mm. and uh, so he's yeah. Again, he's points back to his own uh, his own testimony, and then from some. So we have his charge to Timothy. Um, so he's given Timothy a charge to stop the Ephesian opponents from teaching, and he's discussed the theological problems with what they're saying. Mm. And so he he returns to remind Timothy uh, of his calling, yeah. which which it's interesting because he's obviously you picture a situation where Timothy was endorsed and and sent out, you know, through with the laying on of hands. Yeah, he was prophesied over, and there's obviously a prophetic word that he was given uh, that sort of equips him with the necessary spiritual gifts as well. To, yeah. You know, and so Paul reminds him of that. So stick to your, you know, stick to your charge. Remember that. And perhaps also yeah. a lack of a little bit of a lack of confidence for him as well, Timothy. You know, it's like no, no, remember, you know, the prophecy was spoken of you. You are the man for this job. Yeah, that's right. Don't don't lose confidence yeah. in yourself. You, you know? do you do sense that because he's having to remind Timothy, don't yeah. be timid and yeah, you know, yeah. like don't don't let anyone despise the fact that you're young, yeah. you're you're, yeah. you're this is your And goal. you're only you know, you're half Greek, half Jewish. No, no, this is yeah, this is God's mandate on yeah. you, not anything you have to do, yeah. you know, but and apart so, from be obedient. Like here again, you know, Paul is working Against some societal norms, you know, it's you don't have to necessarily wait to to your old like in the rabbinic tradition. Yes. You know, you, you you can be a young leader. That's okay. So there the, a number of things that get flipped. You know, in this new uh, Christian yeah. mu- movement, it's interesting along those lines that he also says to Timothy to respect the older, older. like don't rebuke an older man, encourage yes. them, yeah. but don't rebuke them. So he still preserves that respect mm. for age. Mm. Uh, I think that's actually an important yeah. point in okay. particularly in. A contemporary environment. Our culture goes the other, yes, other way. We tend to respect youth and energy mm. and mm. new ideas, mm. but neglect older people. We tend to put older people out to pasture. I think to you know yeah. too. What would they too know quickly? And, that's exactly yeah. you know. Oh, no, they're not not up they're with just it. Not or, up with it exactly. And I think that's you know that I think the ch- churches suffer from that. So you know, it's it's good. The problem. And he actually names well. a couple of people here. So this is again a sign that this is a very specific letter to a leader. Yeah. You know, at the end there where he talks about those sort of rejected. 
injured and shipwrecked their faith, yeah. uh, moved away from the core values. And yeah. uh, so he's being very specific to Timothy about leadership issues and people that were potentially deacons or elders or yeah. whatever they might have been in the life of the church. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and He uses an interesting term, though, that whom I have delivered to Satan. He names yeah. them and he says, whom I have delivered to Satan. You know, obviously, I've read a, a, a few different perspectives on that, but it seems to me that there was a really understanding that if you were outside of Christ's church, then yeah. essentially you were in Satan's domain. So essentially, he's saying, I've expelled them from the church, or we've expelled them from the church, and therefore they're now, until they yeah, repent, well, well, you're out from under the covering. Rope, this is a really right. interesting, uh, you know, interesting idea and and I think something that we should probably take more seriously mm. Uh, mm. In, our, in a very individualistic age that you know the church does provide a sense of covering mm. like a spiritual covering yeah. it's it's like an ark you know mm. like Wow! Yeah, you know, that's a great in a sense, picture. and yeah. and being in in and part of the ark. There's certainly throughout the New Testament. There's very much that strong sense yeah. that to be sort of uh, the, theologically, the church came to use the word excommunication. If you're put out of fellowship, mm. then really it's you know Satan can have a field day mm. on you. Now, not mm. it's and that's always going to be subtle and but uh, you know what Paul is yeah he's saying here. I've handed you know we're, we're okay. Just they've gone off. Fine, off you go. We're going to leave you alone and see how that goes, and mm. and so there's the expectation here that's not going to, it's not going to go well. They're not yeah. going to go well, yeah. and although he ends, you know, again highlighting the fact that that is about restoration, not yeah, yeah, that's right. Discarding. Yeah, it's, it's so that they can so discover. that they may be yeah. taught. Yeah, not that's to right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Mm. That there's some kind of deficient understanding of salvation here, and again, we don't know exactly what's going on here, but it seems to be evidenced by the fact. Because he tells them that to pray for all people, and the emphasis there seems to, you know, pray for all people, right? Mm. So were they just praying for a very select, it seems, you know, that they were focusing on a kind of inner circle select, particularly if you put a kind of leaning toward a, a sort of elitist, ascetic yeah. kind of, you know, where the real... That it's like they were closing in; they were becoming perhaps an enclave. Maybe I wonder uh, whether also, the, given he says there in the in the early part of chapter two, you know, for kings and for all those that are in authority, whether there was a sense of because of Jesus is that we we don't respect the leaders anymore, yeah, and, yeah, and we're yeah. not going to pray for those, and they're the bad guys anyway. Yeah. And he's saying, no, 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 we Jesus has come for everyone. You yeah, know? that's right. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so it's that cutting off. There's the yeah. bad guys and the good, guys, the good guys, and we're the good guys, and they're all the you know bad the guys. world world can go to hell in hand. Yeah, basket. exactly. And and Paul's saying, no, no, this is the mission thing. Yes. We're here for the like we are for the world. We're yes. here. We're not, you know, we're not an uh, a self righteous enclave mm. that are. You know, judging the world, mm. we're we're here for the salvation uh, of As the Jesus world, and said, so pray for to, everyone, right? I've come to save the sinners, right. not the righteous. So you sense, you sense, there's this slightly inward-looking thing, yes. and and yeah. and he's pointing again to to mission, and so he says, you know, this is good and it is pleasing to in the sight of God our Savior. Notice he emphasizes that part, yeah. who desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. You know, so th- this is he's pointing to that uh, principle there. Yeah, it's great. From verse, verse eight. Two, yeah, from verse eight of chapter two, um, this actually—I mean, this next section eight to fifteen fits quite nicely into Paul's flow of thought in the whole of chapters two and three. So, first and foremost, he wants the Ephesian church to pray for the salvation of all people. Mm. Uh, while they are praying, they've got to do it properly, not coloured by anger or disputing, but you know, characterised yep. by holiness. And likewise, then he goes on to talk about you know men and women praying. So he. He wants the women to cease disrupting the church. In in there's some there's something going, going on, on here yeah. behind 
particularly in the in the way that they dress, because he goes on to emphasize uh, the way that they're dressing. Um, and again, remembering, as we said before, that w- that women now had a new freedom. And so the things yeah, yeah. that they could not have done before, they they now had the freedom. And so he's saying, don't don't go to the other extreme. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, moderate. Here. That's right. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, 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 he, and he doesn't want them because obviously, I mean, the other thing that he doesn't want, he, he doesn't want them sort of flaunting. There's almost like a class system. You sense a, a bit of a okay. class system going on in the church because- you know, because when he talks, he addresses the jewelry, um, yeah, the jewelry and the modestly. I mean, when he talks about gold or pearls and costly attire, I mean, it's way more polarized. You know, it's the difference probably in that culture between Kmart and like really high end brands where you're paying, you know, ten thousand yep. dollars for a dress. Right. That it's there's not a lot in between. between you know right. what I mean? N- not a lot, something, but not a lot. And yeah. and so it's that he's there's an extreme yeah. sort of sense of flaunting. This class, you know, because again, remember, and elevating yourself. Everyone, yeah, th- yeah, this is a community yeah. that everyone's part of this community. So the perhaps the temptation to subtly state the fact mm. that I'm a Better higher class yeah. and I should have more authority than you, yeah, you know. Yeah, and yeah. so, if you can imagine, you know, because in in the church, there's every reason why someone that was otherwise fairly, you know, like schooled in scripture, but perhaps not of the higher class. Mm might be have authority as an elder in the church, but you've got perhaps a woman from a wealthy family that's saying, excuse me, uh, yeah. I'm in charge here. Do you know who I am? You know. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, and, and sort of flaunting that. And so, you know, Paul's trying to correct this thing that's happening yeah. in the dynamics of authority and, and class uh, in this church. So again, we don't know exactly no. what's happening, but by putting the sort of societal things together with what's happening in this church, yeah. this countercultural sense of equality that mm. he, he addresses both with class and mm. status and, and gender, mm. you, can, you, can, you can sort of put this yeah. together. And I think it's important, again, and I've said this before, it's important, again, to remember this is such a shift in culture in terms of freedom. Yeah. Uh, you know, imagine y- your kids who you know, can't go out on their own after a certain time of night and suddenly they get to a certain age and they can. The risk is that they go out every night until a ridiculous... Yeah. Now, there's nothing wrong with going out at night, but you say, hey, yeah, yeah, don't right. overdo yeah, yeah. it. You yeah. know? And I, th- I think that's, to some degree, what's happening here. It's hard for us to imagine that in our culture today yeah. because we've had 2,000 years of history since. But for them, this was just suddenly yeah, there was all right. this freedom. And yeah. we're going off to the extreme because yeah. we can. Yeah, know? that's right. So what, what, I'd, what I'd like to do from here then is just yeah, zoom in to, from verse 11 to 15 because yeah, there's some really controversial uh, statements here. Mm. And it's really important that we interpret these statements in the light of the background. This is a very specific circumstance. Yep. Now, that doesn't mean it's there's not something we can draw in terms of principles, but we've got to remember this is paradigmatic. This is not just straight law yes. for every one of all uh, of all times. Yeah. But there there are certainly principles that, that you know that that we can draw from this. So so the problem seems, to, as I've said, the problem here is that you know there there are these very wealthy uh, women, and these it, it's these women's that also seem to be the prime targets for these false teachers because they're described as greedy, right? So they're gonna they're gonna target these wealthy, um, women. These wealthy women. So so they're the followers of the false teachers, and as rich women, they they'd be more likely to have the churches meet in their homes then. So, you know, so yeah, there's right. a sense of authority uh, that they've got there. Like, hey, this is my home. I'm in charge. Thanks yeah, very right, much. Right. Because they, 
because for the early church, you need a bigger home with a big, you know, and uh, they, they had these open yeah. sections like these courtyards in, in in between. And so you might have elders that lived in fairly modest, mm. like, for example, like Peter as a fisherman, yeah. you know, was obviously, you know, a leader in the church, but not not wealthy, yeah. you know. Yeah. So there's an example of someone that's not wealthy, but, but probably uh, may have uh, eventually been part of a church that was in the home of a wealthy patron. Yeah. And yet he's... He still needs to be acknowledged as the leader, right? Yes. So you got that kind of so imagine yeah. that kind of situation. So so and so, also remembering that women up until this point in time hadn't had any education in the Torah or yeah, anything. That's right. So yeah, yeah. there's a vacuum there, yeah. and there's now these all these voices speaking into that vacuum. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and so the false teachers are kind of feed, you know feeding into that, and mm. that they are. They're thinking, okay, we'll go through these wealthy we'll women because they've way. got we'll yeah. leverage them because they've got a bit of authority here. Mm. They they they're not. Going to, they're going to be easier to dissuade because they're not as uh, educated as the men. Yes, and so and and this is the point. Paul sees this as a repetition of what happened in the garden. Yeah, because in Genesis chapter two, God said to Adam, "You can you may eat." The law was given to Adam, mm. and so the snake went to Eve, and so he sees that similar kind of pattern happening, and that's why he's going to refer he's going to refer to that uh, in a moment, as we'll see. So just remember the no. power struggle yes. here as well. This, this is a big thing as well. So these women will naturally aspire to leadership in the churches, you know, mm. Ephesus. Mm. Um, so that's the background. So why don't you read? I'll just uh, read that read, from yeah. 11 through to the end of that Yeah, chapter. so hold on to your hats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a woman is to learn quietly with full submission. I do not allow a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. Instead, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and transgressed. But she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love and holiness with good sense. That's my translation, which is a CSB. Yours might be a little different. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, that, that's, that's a good, uh, the CSB is good. Yeah, good translation. So, so let's let's pull this apart. So, first of all, let women uh, learn quietly. So, he's mm. if there's this false teaching going on, and it's particularly uh, coming through the women, that he's just saying, "Hang, hang on, just let the guys, you know, d- don't, the lead, d- but don't be disruptive." Yeah. yeah, that's right. Let the appointed leaders actually do the teaching. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As I said before. You know, Paul here, in contrast to segments of Judaism that prohibited women from learning, mm. asserts mm. the ability and value of women's education. That's, mm. you know, he said, let them learn. I mean, yeah. that's, we, we should just There's recognize a, yeah, that, exactly. that first. Totally. So, and so he goes on to say, I, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority uh, over a man. So remember, he's talking about that church. Yes. Like, I think that we can apply some contextual limitation here. Because clearly women are allowed to teach in other circumstances, and we see that uh, elsewhere in the New Testament. Yeah. This, there's also the suggestion here that, uh, where is it here? I, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority uh, over a man. This is not all women to all men. This no women the- are allowed to teach any men, um, but... Uh, but this is there's a particularity to this context. This is he's referring specifically to the men who are the overseers. You are not permitted to have authority over those guys who are leading who are leading the church. Yeah. Um, so there's a particularity to this, and and who are then those men who are also equipped to teach, uh, which is one of the qualifications for leadership that yes. Paul goes on to mention. Right. Yes. When he says about the elders and the overseers, they must be equipped to teach. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think there's there's some contextual stuff yeah. going and, on, and there. he's probably coming down. 
hard on this because of so much false teaching. So that yeah. we don't want to let even the thin end of a wedge in here. We actually need to really cut this off or we're going to end up with a whole lot of people really yeah. misled. Yeah. So both there's a contextual thing here, but there's also, and this is where we don't want to throw out the bay with the bathwater, you know, what is clear throughout the New Testament, we've, we saw this in Ephesians, is that Paul does see... Uh, even though there is complete equality between the genders, Paul does see different roles yes. for for the genders within the, the household, mm. and and he does want he does want uh, the men to exercise a kind of spiritual headship. Look, I know that's a little controversial, and there's this sort of debate between you know the egalitarian and you yep. know the, what they refer to complementarianism, where the man and woman complement you know one another, Each and other. then egalitarianism yep. where 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 they where they're equal. I mean, look. Egalitarianism is on the money in the sense that th- right. there's there's a completely there, there is a comp- there's a strong egalitarianism through the New Testament church absolutely hundred yeah. yeah. percent and yet there is also this sense in which there are different roles like even even within within churches and and there's still a sense of authority structure in in a completely egalitarian situation yeah. and and so there's a sense you know in which Paul wants to preserve uh, a situation where there is not a hierarchy, but a, a sense of responsibility within the, you know, different responsibilities within the household. And he wants the church to reflect the structure of the household. So when when he talks about in Ephesians, the man being the head, he's he's not talking about, the, it's it's more like a priest rather than a king. Yes. You know, yes. It's, it's not a kingly headship, it's more like a priestly headship. Mm. So it's not, you know, it's not the ruler. And remember, Remember, we need to completely redefine what authority, because he goes on to say, you know, that the husband is to love the woman as Christ loved the church, mm. gave himself up mm. for her. So, and remember, you know, Jesus depicted that through the washing of the feet and the complete upturning of authority. Yes. Yeah. Right. So, this is an, an authority of serving this and, and being a servant. And and I think really understanding that takes the, the controversy out of, because a lot of the controversy involved in the family structure, that, that family structure idea has to do with, I guess, our modern concepts of how that's been abused and that kind of the, the husband ruling the households. And that's not what, no. that's not what the New Testament no. uh, really it, it pictures at all. In fact, Jesus even says, you're not to lord it over each other. Yeah. That's what the Gentiles do, right? But whoever wants to be the greatest man, you must become the least and mm. the servant of all, right? Mm. So he flips that. And, and I think that completely reframes yeah, you know, totally. this whole, you yeah. know, this whole issue. So, anyways, but that's the family. So he mm. still, he does want the church to reflect somewhat the um, the family, you know, the, the family. Now, in other churches, that can involve women teaching and 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 you know and so forth. That's yeah. But here, he's there's a correction that needs to be made so that that principle is preserved. You know yeah. what I mean? Yep. Do you think some of it was also to do with the, the sense of mission in that let's not create a barrier if if some of this, I mean, obviously there were those issues, but also the sense that culturally yeah. women were never meant to be speaking in public in a sense. And and so let's not, you know, let's not disenfranchise again all these yeah. people that we're trying to read. That's the mission. It's like, yeah. let's at least, you know, Try to try to reach those people in a way that they would understand yeah, the context that yeah, they would be right. comfortable with. Yeah, one of a better word. Yeah, that's right. So he's leaning. Yes, because in. again, this is the mission principle. Like yeah. we're we're here for our culture, so we need to we need to not overplay this. Um, what's different uh, about this? We still need to respect uh, our culture. Awesome. So now that is behind that. Now, so there's the biblical principle there, but mm. but there is certainly there is a that leaning there. Yeah. In some ways, I think. 
we for our culture need to lean the other way to i mean i you know i i think both male and female voices particularly in our culture is really actually important oh, that totally. that's in, you know in uh, in preaching so it's not just a matter of oh allowing that no it's actually this is actually really important. you know really important uh, i think uh, you know in our culture so he goes on to say and and this is where it starts to get a little weirder he says adam was not deceived but the woman now remember he's got something in mind yeah. uh, here because he sees the situation in the Ephesian church that he's addressing to Timothy here yeah. as somewhat analogous to what happened in the Garden of Eden. Yeah. Uh, when he says Adam was not deceived but the woman, he's referring to the fact that the serpent went to the woman because, at least in the text, and he's working with the scenario of the text, and you, you, you was presume that Adam would have told the woman, but there's a sense in which Adam had that primary responsibility. responsibility. Uh, and so, so the serpent... You know, goes uh, goes to the woman. So that's where he says Adam was not deceived, but the woman, uh, because Adam received the command. Right. Mm. So he's referring to the fact that these women weren't equipped to teach, mm. and so therefore, mm. that false teachers are going to them. And so what we have here is the Genesis three yeah. situation being repeated all over again in the Ephesian church, right? Yeah. Which which he alludes to in one Timothy five fifteen a bit further on. He says, "For some have already strayed after Satan." So there's there's a he refers to it in that way, and again that's you know alluding to the garden. Yeah. And if you think temptation. about exactly what Satan said in the garden, did God really say that? So it's questioning. What was said? Yeah, by that's God right. Yeah, to the woman. Did yeah. God really say that? And so there's this, and she jumbles of, it up a little yeah, bit. In exactly. Her repetition so, of it. Yeah, exactly. Repetition of it. Yeah, and so there's this whole sense of the deceptive teaching again. It's like, yeah. did God really say that? Yeah, you know? that's and right. He, and that's what he's. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps. Yeah, because she's here. kind of the secondhand recipient, yeah. you know, in, in that, that circumstance. Yep. And and so yeah, this is kind of he's he's using that as a as a. Analogous. Yeah, as an analogous situation. You know, he says, you know, Adam was not deceived, but the woman uh, was deceived and became uh, a transgressor. So he's referring to the fact that, you know, Adam knew more. He's not saying that Adam wasn't didn't a sin. sin, wasn't a trend, because actually in in uh, Romans 5.12, Paul lays the responsibility on Adam. Totally. You know, it's yeah. like Adam sinned. So the fact that she didn't know didn't make her innocent, in other words. Mm. You know what I mean? She, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's – so he's saying, you know, that they're not innocent just because they don't know, right? There's still – there's still uh, there's still an accountability, accountability here. Yeah. So, the you know, the idea is that, you know, so Adam was the one appointed by God to exercise this, uh, this spiritual headship. This is what's behind – I'm just saying what's behind yeah, Paul's yeah. thinking yep. here. You know, so he was the one that was prepared by God to exercise this. And I, I read something – uh, a commentator say Paul's point might be might then be paraphrased paraphrased like this. So the man upon whom lay responsibility for leadership in the home and in religious matters was prepared by God to discern the serpent's lies. The woman was not uh, appointed religious leader and was not therefore prepared to discern. So sh- therefore she was taken in. So and that Christian worship involves re-establishing the creational pattern with men faithfully teaching God's truth. That's what he's. That's what he wants to set up in this. In this particular circumstance, yeah. Now, again, I emphasize the fact that women were quite active in the in the New Testament uh, churches. It's just that he wants to not throw out the baby with the bathwater yeah. here. Yeah, he doesn't want to throw out too much. He doesn't want to completely disrupt, you know, the relationship and roles within both the church and the yeah. uh, and the home here. And I think the point you make before we just go to that last little bit, which which I found really confusing. We'll come to that in a minute. Verse yeah. verse fifteen. I think also part of that would have been that these women, as you said before, were wealthy and obviously the church needed funds to, to keep yeah. doing yeah, what yeah, it was yeah, doing. Right. And it's so suddenly it's like, well, how, 
how much do I push back on this wealthy woman who's actually funding a big chunk yeah, of what yeah. we do as a church and yeah. feeding the teachers and looking after people? So yeah, there's yeah. a whole lot of dynamics that are just feeding into oh, this yeah. whole Yeah, because it situation. goes on to talk about feeding widows. They were, they were yeah. doing a lot of uh, what we would refer to as welfare work, yeah. right? Now, how is that funded by the wealthy women? Yeah. So these the, the wealthy women, you know, could be saying, "No, I, I I like what this teacher says, and I you know I want that to be the so yeah. so I'm going to stand up in front of the church and this right, folks, is where we're going and mm. and uh, and here's why and and so they're ruling mm. and Paul's saying, "No, no, you've you've that's not on and yeah. yeah so you've just got to picture this yeah and so I know this. This feels like a bit of an overcorrection, but in some ways it is. Yeah. You know, it's it's a kind of overcorrection for that situation. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So uh, there's there's a particularity uh, to this. I, the other thing, Stu, I think it's really important that we we recognise our own cultural sensitivities, and we don't impose that too much. Like because in our particular culture, uh, this is a hot topic. We shouldn't let ourselves be embarrassed about no. some of these things, you know, in the biblical text. Our model for for life is is in scripture. It's not in our in our culture. Yeah. Now I think the best of our culture in terms of, you know, the 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 egalitarianism and the and the and the ethics and is all grounded in the Judeo Christian tradition, right? Mm. So it, it does it does come from that. But but there, you know, there are also things going on in our culture that shouldn't force us to throw out things that are important biblical principles. Yeah, too. totally. Um, I think that's a really good point. Uh, really good point. Yeah. So, uh, so then, then there's the point. Uh, it just gets more and more, more and more vexing, doesn't it? <laughs> These it does. Statements. Uh, it says, "Yet she will be saved through childbearing." It's like, what is he talking which, about? Which there? is, it's important to say, but so is that coming out of the thread around Adam and Eve and what happened in the garden, or is that now, but? As in the first part of the passage where he's talking about the women in the particular church setting. Yeah, well, well, remember in Genesis chapter three, God says when in in regards to the serpent, you know that that the Your seed child. of the woman will, will crush, crush the, the head, head of the, the serpent, yeah. right? So, so she, you know, she goes she goes on and, and gives birth, and that and that leads to to a line that eventually leads leads to Jesus. Jesus. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. so there's this this behind that uh, mm. as well, but mm. there's also this example is probably a bearing children's probably chosen here because the false teachers are downplaying the importance of marriage. And and in four verse three, it's it talks about people who forbid marriage, right? Yeah. Which is so also and, and also we need to remember marriage in those times was about the creation of a family. It, yeah. You know, not not quite the same today, but very much about, mm. you know, the creation of a family. So so they're really downplaying this aspect of, mm. of you know, saying no, no, no. No families, no children. You know, we've yeah. got to live these ascetic uh, household, and and because they're saying because you can't be saved. That's if you want to be saved and among the saved, don't get married, don't have children, devote yourself completely yeah. to God. And Paul is saying, no, no, they they can be saved through childbearing. Mm. You know, that that's in fact that's an important part of God's plan mm. of and in for fact them. he said it yeah. in Genesis three, as you said, yeah, it's yeah, by childbirth right. that she will actually crush the head yeah. of Satan. That's right. So the point is they're to work out their salvation by, in a sense, fulfilling their role. God's, and, yeah. and and part of that role is is the creation of family and and that's such a big thing, you know, in the church, family and and you know the promise. Peter says in Acts is to you and your children, you know. So, yeah. so uh, it's it's the continuation of the mandate both to Adam and Eve, fill the earth and subdue it, as well as to Abraham, I will make your descendants like the sand of the seashore. Like go and you know 
fill the earth, multiply and fill the earth. Yeah. So there's there's that behind here as well. So that mandate, Paul, it still stands, right? Yeah. The mandate to fill the earth mm. uh, and multiply and fill the earth still stands in yeah. a sense. So it's picking up a biblical idea. Yeah, but at the same time, again, speaking to a particular context, and we're not yeah. saying here, or we're not suggesting here that Paul's saying that if you're a woman and you don't have children no, now, that's right. uh, you know, there's no oh, chance. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And, and in fact... In Corinthians, first letter to Corinthians, he commends women Correct. who, see, this is the contextual thing, yeah. right? There, he suggests that women stay He's single, single mm. and devote themselves to God, mm. right? So it's like, yeah. in one in one circumstance, saying one thing and another circumstance, and it's not contradictory. Two different letters yeah. to two different audiences. That's right. And yeah. one to a leader where yeah. he's trying to counter something. So when you're countering something, you don't go to the middle ground. You push back quite hard. Yeah. You know, you swing the other way so as to pull the extremes yeah, that's right. back. When you're writing to the broader group, you're being much more generalized and much more, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's right. And so so in when he writes his letter to the Corinthians, by contrast, yeah. you know, like that's quite, because in this culture, in a sense, women were seen only as mothers and that's what you're for. You're just to that's bring it. children. Yep. You're just that's just that's only what you are. That is repudiated throughout the throughout the New Testament, where you have women uh, having significant roles in the church. There, I mean, in fact, uh, it's a matter of history that the early church uh, what, mm. that women had a very yeah. prominent role throughout the early church, and the spread of the Christian movement was actually largely through through, uh, through women. women, really, and mm. and so they have this significant role, and and Paul acknowledges that by. Uh, when he says to the church in the Corinthians that he he even suggests that women stay single and yep. devote yourself to the Lord and to to, to ministry. I mean that's it's so great. countercultural. So there's certainly no sense that great. that Paul thinks that oh that's all that women women you you, you just stay in the home and and have children. Yep. That's no, in no way you know in no way uh, what he's saying. But here this is a context yes. where there are people saying if you get have family and get married and you're not devoting yourself to God and you can't be saved. Yeah. He's saying, no, no, you could be saved through, yeah. uh, through childbearing. So that's great. Fee, the, the, the comment of very, uh, Gordon, uh, fee, uh, says, uh, in, in conclusion, he, he says, it's hard to deny that this text pr- prohibits, uh, women teaching men in the Ephesian church, but it is the unique text in the New Testament, and its reason for being is not to correct the rest of the New Testament, but to correct a very ad hoc problem in Ephesus. That's important, important, important interpretive yep. point from uh, you know from probably one of the most prominent New Testament scholars of the last few decades. Yeah, that's great. So, yeah. Uh, so he lists a number of uh, qualifications for leaders, and we won't move, you know, move into this too much, Stu. But like, there's just a couple of interesting points to pull out of here. Yeah, they're to be above reproach. Uh, they're to be well thought of by outsiders. So, again, leaning into this missional thing, mm. it really matters. It does actually matter how you're seen by outsiders. Yeah. You don't want to be abrasive. We're not mm. the enemy of the world. Mm. It's important that we. Uh, we at least do everything we can to be respected by yeah. people yeah. outside. So don't be unnecessarily combative either. Uh, I think Great. probably goes with that. Mm. Uh, and I think some Christian leaders can want to be so loved by Christians and say all the right, you know, very yeah, we're in this little club and 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 but you know and just become reprehensible alienated to, to alienated yeah. from uh you know from people outside we we got to remember <laughs> yeah. we actually exist for that we are a mission uh to yeah. to the Other, world. otherwise when we were saved we'd be taken straight away but we're left here because god wants us to yeah, reach, yeah, yeah, reach right. lost yeah. so i think that's really really yeah. important and i think also really part of that passage is saying make sure that your word your life reflects what you say yeah, yeah. in other words live out there in the world 
you know, yeah. in, in a way that's consistent with what you say, yeah. who you are yeah, in right. the church, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's interesting here, he puts emphasis on how they manage their household. Yes. Um, you know, you've got to manage your house. And remember, household means, like, is quite a big, big. It's, it yeah. organizes, it's an yeah. organization. So, you yeah. know, you've got, you've got uh, slaves. Uh, or bond servants, you've got servants, uh, mm-hmm. you've got all sorts of different Potentially people. parents as well as yeah, kids. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, so are you looking after your parents? Mm. Are you, you know, are you bringing up your children? Are you, you know, how are you relating to your wife? How are you treating your 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 slaves? Yeah. That All of that really matters for um, for this. this. For the is, witness. Yeah, for the witness. That's right. And mm. so, you know, and, and I think, you know, for me, Personally, I think the greatest spiritual channel where I've grown the most is as a husband and father. To be honest, that's where my faith has been most challenged. In, you yeah. know, in that in that space, and that's where I've grown the most. Yeah. And you know, that doesn't determine the outcome. You know, because no. our you know our our children will be, you know they they will make their own decisions and so forth. But I really you know think it's important that we understand those closest relationships as our immediate responsibility. It's one thing to go off and save the world, but mm. hey, how are you treating your wife and your, yeah. and your children yeah. and your parents, in fact? So this is, you know, part of those qualifications uh, for both overseers and deacons. So we have some insight here into how the church was led in, in those days. Later on, you know, a, gener- a couple of generations later in the sort of the 100s, you know, this is mid-first century, 50s, 60s, now, yeah. 50s and 60s, right? Once you get into the second century, uh, you've got the rise of bishops, you know, yes. because again, you've got a bigger movement and they're trying to hold it all uh, together. Mm. Uh, that do- It does get quite authoritarian. Again, it's probably a- in the second century, an overcorrection to the scattering of the church and trying to keep it together. But the, the this blueprint here is an, is basically elder-led Yes. Elder-led church is a there's a body of elders, as opposed to just one uh, yep. individual necessarily, and that's the overseers. Yeah, they're the overseers. Which Timothy was an overseer yep. of the church of yep. Ephesus. That's right. Yep. yep. And then deacons. Yeah. That served underneath. Yeah. The Timothy overseers. also has this sort of apostolic yes. role, somewhat. You know yep. what I mean? Like he's getting all of this established as well. Yep. Um, so uh, and then deacons, and we have the ordination of deacons in in the in Acts. Yep. Um, they're involved in the more practical side of the church. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move into into chapter four, Stu. There's a this transitional uh, paragraph there that is basically saying to Timothy, "Look, don't be surprised, but because it's quite a turbulent situation. Now, yes. Why isn't all this going well? Like, yeah. you know, there's these false teachers and there's people turning away from the faith. And is this and some of those people, something going wrong? Yeah, here, and some know? of those are people he would have been close to because yeah. they were leaders in the church as well. And he's starting to feel like a failure. And yeah. am I dropping the ball here? Why are these people losing their faith? Exactly. And Paul's trying to say, look, you just need to understand that this is. It's bound to happen. It's going to what's, yeah. what's going to happen. It's bound to happen. That's why he says, you know, the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by mm. devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons. Uh, we don't know where, quite where. I mean, he said elsewhere that that talks about the man of lawlessness in mm. in some of his earliest writings. That, yeah. Um, yeah. He talks about some of these sorts of things. So this is a matter of revelation. Uh, but he's just reminding Timothy, listen, don't be perturbed or surprised by yeah. that. This and is, then he goes on to the asceticism stuff where he talks about those who ban, you know, forbid marriage and demand abstinence That's right. from yeah. foods that God created, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, sort of- reminds him, he says in verse four of mm. chapter four, everything created by God is good, right? Yeah. Nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, right? He goes on to give a really lovely personal note. I encourage you to read this, this personal note uh, to Timothy 
there's a number of instructions here that he yes. gives him. And this is where I think for leaders, I, I spent a little while reflecting on this because there's some really valuable instructions about being trained in words of faith and don't get involved in s- irrelevant myths and you know discussions yeah. and train yourself in godliness and teach sound doctrine. You know, this is where he says, don't let no one despise you for your youth. You know, set an example, be an example. You know, it's a good one for leaders as well mm. uh, in conduct, in love and faith and purity. You know, devote yourself to public reading of scripture, exhortation, teaching. You know, he tells him not to neglect the gift that he received through the laying on of hands and prof- prophecy. Uh, talks about immersing himself in these these things and keeping a close watch on himself and and persisting and and also i think a really important that i highlighted in verse 15 practice these things be committed to them so that your progress may be evident to all so it's it's like you're not a leader and you've got there somehow yeah people need to see you growing that's right yeah people need to see you growing in the faith No, that's good that's great so the next the next section from five to the beginning of chapter six is basically paul is addressing how timothy is to relate to different groups uh, within yep. the church. So really good uh, practical uh, advice here. You know, treat older men as fathers, young, you know, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, uh, the, the younger men as brothers. Mm. It's great, you know, yep. uh, like, yep. so still you're, you're in charge, but still treat the older men with respect as you would, and yeah. very much strong respect for, for elders in this culture. So he's, and, and particularly for parents. So then there's the matter of widows in the church. Uh, this shows actually. This gives us a wonderful insight that the church was doing something very countercultural at, at the time. Mm. Something that was actually embedded in the Mosaic Law, uh, the care for the poor and the widows. Yeah. Uh, particularly for widows, because once someone became a widow, uh, that made them very vulnerable. Not everyone. And and he chart. You know. And and the instructions here in this section are who who gets to benefit from the church's yes help, generosity. You know yep. because. That what seems to have happened, like the church is doing this amazing work, right, of of, of very generously uh, supporting, you know, widows and orphans and the poor and so forth. But there are some people taking advantage, advantage of this. It's always the case, isn't it? It's always. And the so case. you say, I don't want you. Know, let's let's not have. This is not you know. Let's not have anyone taking advantage of this. If someone's a widow and they've got family, that's, that's their responsibility, responsibility right? If you don't, yeah. you know, if you don't take care of your own family. You know, you're not in line with what God would want. So, and I think that's an important that. principle here too, because I think if we think about what was discussed in um, Colossians and I think in yeah. Thessalonians, where people were saying, "Oh, uh, we'll just take the free gifts because Jesus is coming again yeah, soon, yeah. and let's not bother yeah. working or doing yeah, anything." Right. It's like this whole laziness of no, yeah, no, that's no, right. No, no. If they can, they should. Yeah, and and we'll help the ones who can't. Yeah, because otherwise we're going to not be able to help anyone. Yeah, that's right. Essentially, yeah. and and it goes on. Then to talk about the, the honouring of elders, of, of elders, uh, payment of elders, and also the discipline of elders. So there's accountability here. Uh, but look, a lot of the problems, remember, in the Ephesian in Ephesus originated with actually with elders um, and yeah. and certain elders and the mm. the false teaching and with their behaviour. And so that's why Paul's uh, wants to deal with these. Yeah, you know, and it's a sense ways also spoken to making sure we qualify those people to come into leadership before, because it's much easier to shut the door before they're a leader, yeah. than it is to then remove them when they are. Yeah, that's a right. So, so that don't whole... be hasty and yeah. laying on of hands. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and again, he said they've got to be equipped to teach, and those who are equipped to teach, mm. he says they're worthy of double honor, and and so we still got to honor them, you know, honor the elders, you know, in in that way and so forth. But with double honor, 
mm. also comes double, double accountability. Yeah. Uh, accountability. So, you know, he says a bit there about uh, accountability. And then interestingly, right at the beginning of chapter six in those first two verses, um, that's where he talks about slaves honoring their masters for the yep. sake, and and this is for the sake of good witness, right? Mm. You know, honor your master for the sake. Don't take advantage of the fact that they're Christians. That's a very interesting point. Yeah, uh, he makes here. Goes on to talk about human greed. Yep. And the and the, the for the love of money is the root of all kinds yeah, of evil. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and again, probably feeding into the sense of where there were the wealthy and and false teachers were trying to, yeah. you know, leverage in through them because they they knew that would be a good payday for them on a regular basis. Yeah. So you know, really trying to point point that out as well. I mean, I think he says something really profound here about contentment. Mm. You know, contentment is not having a lot. Mm. It's being, being it's being me. content with little. And that you know, again, this is. You know, this is just really profound teaching here that that he brings to this situation where there was obviously a lot of wealthy people, as we know, people flaunting their wealth. Yes. You know, he's pointing to something that's available to everyone, whether you have wealth or not. Mm. Uh, we can all be content. In fact, particularly for those who have wealth, learn to be content, you know, apart from that. So, uh, yeah. And, and interesting, that very famous statement, Stu, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the case here. You know, and uh, yeah, he's he's certainly applying that uh, more generally. A, a profound letter, Stu, and 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 it sets such a great paradigm for you know for the witness of the church. And again, just to finish, Stu, with this, the big idea here is that this is not just about static, everyone getting along well, as though it's a fairly static club. No, this is a mission. We're on mission. And a lot of these things has, have to do with how we relate to the world around us and setting us up so that we can be all that God has called us to be in this world to fulfill the mission of Christ. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. We really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading as we go through the Bible with Thrive. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper and thrive. Thank you.